Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Man, those MCs, now you get to see what I put up with <laughs> on a regular basis. Oh, good to see you guys. Good to be here, man. I'm excited. I'm excited for what God's doing, um, what he wants to do today. Um, man, this past week was epic. Walker talked about it already, but we had VBS, Vacation Bible School, and uh, I think I had the best job. I was the guy who was in charge of the games. So, of course, they put the youth pastor in charge of the games, classic, but it's kind of like the grandparent role, you know? You get the kids, you get to have fun with them, get them all hyped up, excited, and then you send them on back to the parents. And in this case, I got to send them back to their teachers where they wreaked havoc in the craft room and the snack room, but um, it was so much fun, man. I had just a blast hanging out with all the kids. I think we had like 80 kids, and uh, yeah, it's so cool to see they're going to just open it wide open next year, um, but it was amazing, amazing, amazing time. And uh, speaking of kids, the Sliwa family is growing. I want to give you an update. Uh, a couple of you guys have been asking, and um, as many of you know, my wife is pregnant with twins, uh, two boys. So uh, pray for us. Um, yeah, uh, we're excited, slightly terrified, but excited. Um, but uh, some of you guys know there's just been a few minor complications, and so we went and saw a specialist uh, a couple days ago, and good report. They're healthy, they're growing, um, and they're going to be here very, very soon, like within the next couple of weeks. So uh, thank you for praying for us. Thanks for, uh, yeah, just keeping us in your prayers and even you know, diapers, wipes, you guys have just been amazing. It's just, it's wonderful to be a part of a family, a church family that just comes around each other. Um, And so we really love you guys a lot. And um, well, today we're wrapping up our series, Fearless. We've been going through the book of Joshua and looked at a couple of different stories in the book of Joshua and characters. And today we are going to be looking at uh, another character in Joshua, who I would consider one of the great unsung heroes of the Bible. Um, now, we all love a good hero story, don't we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we all love a good hero story. And, uh, but how many of you know some of the best hero stories are the unknown ones, the ones you have no idea are actually taking place? For instance, I just found out of a, um, a hero. Uh, actually, my mother-in-law, Lorraine, told me about it, me and Emily. Uh, this documentary called Mully. How many of you guys have heard of Mully. Yeah, exactly. One of you. <laughs> well, it's, I think it's on Amazon Prime or something. I don't know. But um, I have a picture of him. Molly is uh, just this amazing guy in the documentary. I don't want to spoil it for you, but I'm going to give you just some snippets. Molly was um, an orphan in Kenya. He was, uh, had a family when he was born, and they raised him uh, just to a few years old. Um, and then they completely abandoned him, completely left. He woke up one morning, didn't know where any of his family was. And so from that moment on, he began begging because he had no food, no money um, as a little kid. 
he started begging on the streets. And he did this all the way until he was about a young adult. Um, but when he got to that age, he really started struggling with depression, um, like questioning his life, like what's the purpose of my life? And so he actually wanted to take his own life. Um, and in that moment, someone stepped in and invited him to church. And so he went to this church, um, and there in church, he had a moment uh, that marked him, and it changed everything for him. Um, and from that moment on, he knew that he did actually have purpose, um, that he did have a destiny. And so uh, I won't spoil it, but through a series of events and years later, Charles Mully became one of the wealthiest businessmen in Kenya. Like, mega, mega wealthy. <laughs> um, and he went on to get married. He had eight children. And he was really living the best life. I mean, he was living the dream, had maids, servants, was still serving the Lord. I mean, he was just doing incredible things. And uh, one moment he was driving home and he had this just encounter with the Lord. He heard the voice of God and it changed the Mully family forever. And he felt like he had a new mission. He had a new calling. And it was to sell everything that they owned and rescue orphan kids off the street of Kenya. And so he did it. Sold everything. I mean, we're talking multi, multi millions of dollars, mansions, you name it. Sold it all. And his kids are like, what are you doing, dad? Like, what the heck? We had the best life ever. <clears throat> and he's like, this is, I, I just, this is it. This is what I'm led to do. And so um, to this day, uh, Moly Children Family Center, they opened this facility. And again, you got to just go watch the documentary because it's just tremendous, the work they're still doing. But they've rescued thousands of orphans. I mean, he literally just goes to the street and grabs them and takes them home with him and loves them like his own because that's just kind of how it is there. And uh, they've saved thousands, rescued thousands of kids off the street. And currently they have 3,500 kids that they are, um, that they've taken in, that they're loving um, and giving them life skills, training them, obviously sharing the gospel with them. <clears throat> and uh, it's just incredible, incredible story uh, that's taking place over there. And uh, most of you have no idea. <laughs> I didn't until a week ago. And it's stuff like that that is just so cool, isn't it? That we just have no idea what's going on all around the world. <clears throat> and uh, these are the types of people that deserve the recognition and the praise, and yet most of them don't want it. They just have this desire, this calling to be led by God to do something. There's this cause bigger than themselves. And so I think we just attach ourselves to those types of stories and those types of people. And this kind of character that we're talking about, I think is similar in a lot of ways. I mean, this guy, he could have been in the Hebrews Hall of Fame, you know, someone that we all look to as an example, you know, he could have had a few name drops maybe uh, by some of the apostles and in the New Testament, but really we hear a couple of stories about him in the Old Testament, particularly in Numbers and Joshua, and then he is virtually not mentioned a whole lot. There's a few things here and there, <clears throat> and that's this guy named Caleb. Some of you guys have heard of Caleb before. Well, that's who we're going to be talking about today. And uh, <clears throat> we don't know a ton about Caleb, but what we do know um, are a couple of things. The first one is Caleb was born into slavery. So remember when Israel was in slavery in Egypt, that's where Caleb was born. What a way to start off your life. 
in slavery. Not a whole lot going for you. <clears throat> and so that's where Caleb's story starts. And uh, through the scriptures, we find that his dad was a Kenizzite. So Caleb was not an Israelite. He was of a different people group that more or less got absolved into the Israelite uh, people. But that meant that he was not this educated, wealthy, um, didn't have a ton of status, stature, prestige by any means. I mean, he was not uh, given, dealt the best hand in life. In fact, his name, uh, the name of Caleb means dog. <laughs> and uh, there's some speculation to that, but a lot of times when people were named in the Bible, it was because of the circumstance that they were in. And a lot of people think it was because the Israelites were treated like dogs. They were just these pitiful people that were slaves. And so perhaps that's why his name was that. Um, but we also know that 40 years later, he got to be a part of the Exodus group, the people that left Egypt um, and was headed towards the promised land. So he got to see the miracles. He got to see and witness God's faithfulness, his greatness. He got to see Moses um, and all the miraculous things that were done through him by God. And so he got to experience that. And then he was chosen by Moses to be one of the 12 spies to go spy out the land of Canaan, the promised land. And we all know that story, or most of us do. The 12 spies, they go out and they come back with their scouting report. And two out of the 12 said, yes, we can do this. We can take this land that God has promised us. If he's with us, man, he will surely give us this land. Who are those two? Joshua and Caleb. The rest said, oh, we can't do it, man. We're but grasshoppers to these guys. There's giants in there. They are huge. And uh, I love Caleb's response. He goes, they are but bread to us. Like, we can take these guys with God's help. But the people were so scared. The Israelites were so scared and terrified by the other 10 in their report that God said, you're not going. <laughs> I'm not going to allow this generation to enter the promised land. So thus began the nightmare of a road trip through the wilderness for 40 years. <clears throat> but... Caleb and Joshua were the only ones from the Exodus generation who got to enter the promised land. <clears throat> and then one of the last things we get to read about in, with Joshua is that he was 85 years old when, he, when that promise came to pass, when he got to enter the promised land and earn his inheritance um, in the land of Canaan. And uh, other than that, we don't have a ton more info on him. And, uh, which is crazy because he's one of those guys that you can imagine, he probably has seen some things. Like he's experienced some stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Like he would make a great grandpa who just gets to sit down and tell all the kids what he's gone through and what he's witnessed and experienced. But um, we don't have a ton of details, but what we do have, the info that we are given and the glimpse that we get to see here um, into the life of Caleb is profound. The kind of man of God that Caleb was really, truly should change a lot of the way we live our life. Caleb was a remarkable example. And so we're going to 
look at his life and what made up um, such a man of God. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Joshua uh, 14, 6 through 15. We're going to um, take a look of when Caleb steps on the scene in the book of Joshua. It says, now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my own convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, follow the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 40 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Man, I want that kind of workout plan. Give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord is helping me. I will drive them out just as he said. And then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron belonged to Caleb, son of Jephneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Hebron used to be called Kirath Arba after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from the war. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your scriptures that is alive and powerful and able to transform hearts and lives. And God, we just ask in these next few moments, Lord, that we would hear from you. We would encounter you. That's what we came for, Lord. We don't want to just hear about you. We want to know you. And God, we just ask that you would begin to do a work in us today. However uncomfortable it may be, would we just submit ourselves over to you? And we ask that you would move and speak in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> so lots to unpack here, but I want to start with this town called Hebron. In fact, I have a a uh, map, uh, it's kind of small, so hopefully you can see a little bit, but you notice real quickly at the very bottom, there's this town called Kadesh. It's the bottom of Judah, that little orange, yellowish part. Kadesh Barnea, that's where we just read about, that's where the spies started off. Before they entered the promised land, this is where um, the spies started, and they went out and they scouted out all this territory. And they came back, as we mentioned, and they had to wander around for 40 years. And then after that 40 years with Joshua, they got to cross the Jordan. And right there in Benjamin is Jericho. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Jericho and how that was the first battle that the Israelites entered into and thus began their conquest, their taking over of the promised land that God had given them. <clears throat> but then you got Hebron, this little town, uh, little north, uh, a little bit of the middle of Judah. And Hebron was the place that Caleb wanted. 
Now, Hebron's an interesting place. Um, there's this place called the Cave of the Patriarchs in Hebron. That's where Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Rebekah, Sarah, Leah, they were all buried in this cave. And that's a big deal to the Jewish people because these are their patriarchs. This is their, like, their founding fathers. And so this is a holy ground. This is a holy site. In fact, the Jews to this day um, consider this the second holiest place in Israel, is this cave of the patriarchs. And so you can imagine Caleb wants this land because he wants to be uh, a part of that. Even though he's not an Israelite himself, he's sort of been grafted into it. <clears throat> and uh, Hebron's also this land that's extremely fertile. When the spies went to go scout out the land, they came back, the Bible says, with this great cluster of grapes, right? Well, that came from the valley of Eschol, which is in Hebron. So this place was fertile with fruit and good soil for livestock and cattle and all the things that you would need to have a farm and, and the animals to take care of your family. I mean, it's prime, prime country for that kind of stuff. And then on top of that, it's mountainous. So we're talking views, you know, prime real estate in Hebron. So Caleb's like, I want it, but there's a problem. And the problem is the people that inhabit Hebron, the Anakites, these people were no joke. Remember again, the spies, they went out and they came back and they said, man, we can't do this because there are giants in the land. They are huge. We are but grasshoppers to them. They're referring to these people, the Anakites, otherwise known as the Anakim, which means tall-necked or long-necked and tall. <laughs> these guys were big giants. Not only that, they were warriors with fortified cities. I mean, these were people you do not want to mess with. In fact, many scholars believe that the descendants of these people were uh, the Philistine giants, where Goliath came from. You know, the story of David and Goliath. These were some of the descendants of these people, they believe. And so they are warriors, they are brutes, and they rule this land. And yet, here's Caleb, 85 years old, and he says, Joshua, I want Hebron. Give me Hebron. I will go and I will kick the Anakites out. I want to kick them out. I want to take back this land. This land that God has promised for me, I will go. I mean, man, this is like every guy's <laughs> dream right here, right? Like this is, this would make a great movie. Let's just say that. But what in the world would possess someone to want to go and do that? I mean, what was it about Caleb that he would even think at that age to go and to, to fight, to enter into battle again. <clears throat> well, it's something that I want to look at today, and it's what I would call the Caleb spirit. There was something different about Caleb that I think we can learn from today, that we need to learn from today, because we need that same type of spirit, those same type of qualities and characteristics in us, the church today. I believe there's still mountains that we need to conquer today, but it's gonna take a spirit like Caleb to go after them. And so a couple of, uh, well, we'll get into the observation. I wanna read where we first hear about this, Numbers 14, 20 through 24. It says, the Lord replied, 
And he's talking to the people of Israel. I have forgiven them as you asked, Moses. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory in the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times, not one of them will see the land I promised an oath to their ancestors. He's saying no one's going in. No one's going to make it. No one has treated me with contempt. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Man, there's something different about Caleb. He had a different spirit about him. And because of that, God said, Caleb's gonna be the one to enter this land. So what was it? What was it that Caleb had? Well, my first observation reading through the scripture, and I know there's probably lots of things, you could do a whole series on Caleb, but a few things I wanna touch on is this first one. His strength was found in his surrender. That's our tagline for this series. Strength, finding strength in surrender. Sounds like an oxymoron. But Caleb, one of the, one of the other meanings for Caleb is wholeheartedly. It's a little better than dog. <laughs> wholeheartedly, which perfectly describes Caleb. Seven times in scripture, <clears throat> it mentions that Caleb followed the Lord wholeheartedly. That word wholehearted means total sincerity and total commitment. <clears throat> like you can't just give, to be wholehearted, you can't just give part of your heart or half of your heart. It's the whole enchilada. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like when you get married, you don't just stand up there with that significant other and you're saying your vows and you say, I promise to give you part of me. But it's the good part, so don't worry. No, you say, I'm giving you my everything. I'm giving you my all. I'm committing everything I am to you. <clears throat> and as much as I want to believe Caleb was this 85-year-old, ripped grandpa who's just kicking butt, taking names, I think there was something else going on here. I think he had unlocked this secret of surrender, this, <clears throat> this idea that his strength could not, would not be enough. He had to find it from God, the source of true strength. <clears throat> he had realized that he had to surrender everything, even if that meant his control. Because <clears throat> you can imagine he would want to have taken control, being in the wilderness for 40 years. Like, I just, want to, I just want to go and do this thing and earn the promise that I was given, right? He had to surrender over his control. He had to surrender over his desires. You know that it was not his desire to wander in the wilderness after having given a promise to keep on going for 40 years. I mean, he surely had some, some wondering, some doubts, but he had to surrender those things over. His authority, his will, Everything, that's what it means to be wholehearted, right? Everything that you are. <clears throat> spiritual surrender is an act of faith. To spiritually surrender means to let go of control and commit everything to God. 
came across this interview of Jonathan Romy, the actor who plays Jesus in The Chosen. Some of you guys have seen that episode, uh, the TV series, The Chosen. It's so good. Um, but uh, he shares a little bit of his testimony and um, just a few, a little bit before he got selected to The Chosen, he was this wash up, washed up actor in L.A., says he had $20 to his name, no food, no job, which that's not good acting if you, <laughs> you got no money, no job, and no way to pay off his financial debts. I mean, he was broke as a joke. And this is what he says. He said, I was stressed, full of anxiety, and questioning my purpose in life. That's when I hit my knees and I said to God, I don't know why you brought me to this place. I don't know why I'm here. I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I think you put this in my heart to be an artist, to somehow serve you, but I can't make ends meet. I'm going to need you to step in. I was done. I gave it all to him and said, you can take care of it. And then he says, shortly after that day, he received three random checks in the mail that met all of his upcoming bills. <laughs> and then this next quote I love, and then he says, I said to God, so this is how it's going to be. Full and complete surrender, huh? Okay, you got it. From that moment on, my life turned on a dime and has never been the same since. I've had obstacles like all of us do, stresses, but how I handled them was completely different from that moment on. I resolved to trust that even in the 11th hour, God will handle it. I just need to remain true to him and trust him, and he will never let me down, and he hasn't. Three months from that day, I was confirmed for the role of Jesus in The Chosen, making it his biggest acting, his biggest uh, job yet in acting, which has now over 2 million views, played in 80 different countries, translated into 80 different languages, and leaving a massive impact on the world. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's amazing. But that only came from a heart that had been truly surrendered to the Lord. And unfortunately for him, it took him to get to one of his lowest of lows, right? <clears throat> but like him and like Caleb, they understood that in order to tackle the challenges of this life, in order to get to the Hebrons that you may be facing today, it's going to require you to surrender not just some things, but everything unto the Lord so that he can empower you with his strength to take that thing, to do that thing that you felt like you've been called to, that you've been led to. It's gonna take supernatural strength that only can come from a surrendered heart to God, a wholehearted, devoted life to him. Another observation we find um, in the Caleb spirit is his faith gave him confidence. I think after reading this passage, we'd conclude that Caleb was a man full of faith, was he not? <clears throat> I mean, he specifically requested the most difficult, the most challenging plot of land possible in all the area. I mean, it was no joke. But in that moment, it was not Caleb's confidence he was relying on, but it was his confidence in the Lord, his faith that was built up in the Lord was what he was after. And there's a big difference between self-confidence and faith. And I think a lot of us, we can get these confused 
um, or place too much stock in our own self-confidence. Faith is confidence upon what the Lord can do. And self-confidence is the confidence in what we think we can do. Don't get those mixed up. Caleb didn't. Caleb understood that if the Lord is with me, I will be able to drive them out. Not I will be able to drive them out. I will be able to take Hebron. I will be able to do this. I, I, I. It was if the Lord is with me, I will be able to do this. There was this recognition that he could do anything. He could go anywhere. He could conquer anyone if the God of all the universe was on his side. There was nothing too great, too terrifying for him to tackle. I think for a lot of us today, we've got some Hebrons in front of us, some things that might look intimidating, but we know if we were to conquer them, man, the blessing is there. The inheritance is there, right? It might be that addiction that you've tried to kick for so long and you've worked tirelessly. It could be that job that you've been wanting, right? Or maybe you're in a relationship and you've worked, tried to make that thing work and work, but All of these things are on our own efforts and we've tried this and we've tried that and yet we fail over and over again or come up defeated and and tired and burnt out. But we need to understand like Caleb that our confidence is not in ourselves. We're really not that special. (laughs) Sorry to crush your dreams. That's why we need the Bible. That's why we need stories like Caleb to be reminded men of faith who had put their faith in him and that fueled their confidence to go forth and conquer. Our faith in God fuels our confidence to tackle the things that he has called you to and designed you and I to go after, to chase after, to earn that inheritance, to earn that blessing, to earn that reward. But it's gonna take faith in him. It's not gonna take faith in yourself. You're not that great. (laughs) Hebrews 6.12 says, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. It looks like getting into the word and looking at people like Caleb, Moses, Joshua, Paul, Jesus, right? The author and perfecter of our faith to be inspired, to be challenged, to be convicted, to get into the word of God, to walk with him daily, surrendering over and over to him so he can empower you to do the thing that he has called you to do. Another observation in the Caleb spirit that we see is his perseverance made a way for his inheritance. A good friend of mine, Pastor Mike Sloan, many of you guys know him. He was a pastor at Talkeetna Church on the Rock for many, many years. Um, but he says this. He likes to say that the number one character trait of a Christian is perseverance. Or the number one character trait that a Christian needs is perseverance. Now, you can agree with that or not. Um, <laughs> I'll let you decide. But the fact remains, we need perseverance in this life. I mean, we need to be a people of perseverance, endurance. 
And he says, you know, the Christian life, when you start out, it's pretty fun. It's exciting. You know, you're experiencing all these new things. You're probably invited into a community of people, which is crucial to the Christian walk and the Christian life. You need community. You need people that are in uh, step with you, uh, the same faith as you, encouraging and inspiring you on. And man, you're experiencing miracles, supernatural life. We're about to do baptisms at the end of the services, which is, it, man, it's, it's just supernatural. This new life in Christ. It's a new thing. You're a new creation, right? But what happens when the newness begins to wear off and the new kind of becomes the norm and, and the emotions maybe start to fade away a little bit, right? And it's not so as exciting as when you first started your journey and and this act of becoming more and more like Jesus, which is called sanctification, really sets in and begins to be challenging. That's when we need perseverance <clears throat> to kick in. He compares it to a marathon. You know, starting a marathon is great. And honestly, I have the utmost respect for those of you who do marathons. Like, that's wild, man. 26.2 miles. Good on you, Okay. But what's better than starting a marathon? Finishing it, right? Lots of people can start one. I don't think I would ever want to. But not everybody can finish one. But what, what does it take to start and to make it to the end, right? What's in the middle? Perseverance. You have to persevere through the, those miles. <clears throat> Pastor Mike calls it the dangerous middle, right? Right? The beginning's brand new and exciting. The end, man, we have this hope. We're going to spend eternity with Jesus. But in the middle, man, that's when things can get really tough and challenging. And that's when we begin to question and wrestle with our faith. Man, Caleb had to persevere, did he not? He had to persevere while being a slave in Egypt. He had to persevere when he brought back a good scouting report according to his own conviction that, no, the Lord will be with us. We will kick these guys out and we will claim this land that God has promised. And nobody believed him. It's just him and Joshua. Man, that takes some perseverance. That takes some, I mean, there's nothing more deflating, right? When you are on, when you have, when you're so excited, you're full of faith and you come up to your friends, you come up to your family like, man, I feel like God is giving me this vision. He's giving me this dream, this desire and you share and they're like, oh, maybe not. Are you sure that's for you? I mean, you know, like the, all sorts of questions and doubt can begin to creep in and it's things like those we need to persevere through. Man, Caleb had to persevere, persevere through the wilderness for 40 years wondering when am I gonna see this promise that was promised to me years ago. I'm sure he wanted to give up. And he had to persevere through Hebron, taking out giants. <clears throat> but here's a principle we need to understand that godly perseverance will always lead to godly inheritance. Godly perseverance will always lead to godly inheritance. I don't know necessarily what God has promised you. I mean, I know there's promises in scripture over and over again, but maybe he's given you specific things for you or maybe your family. Maybe you have this, this desire that you feel like God has placed inside of you to go and start this business, but, 
there's all these challenges along the way, but you want to you wanna tackle this thing because you want to be financially free and be able to bless the kingdom and do great things and exploits for God. Or like I said, man, maybe there's this, this habit, this addiction that's holding you back and you just want to conquer that thing, but <clears throat> I don't know what it is. I don't know what that, that reward, that blessing looks like for you. And it might be right around the corner and you just need to persevere just a little bit longer, but it could mean years down the road, right? Like Caleb. But we know that God wants to do it. He wants to move and he wants you to surrender and find your strength in him. Wholehearted devotion to him. I mean, here's the amazing thing about the spiritual inheritance. As believers, we all earn a spiritual inheritance. And it's that being eternal life with Jesus and forever. It's a promise that is made to every person who finds faith in Jesus Christ. The spiritual inheritance of eternity with him. Romans 2, 6 through 7 says, God will repay each person according to what they have done to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality. He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Rest assured, your perseverance, your godly perseverance will always bring about a godly inheritance. It may not necessarily be the thing you thought or look like on this earth, but we all are persevering towards that end goal to that day when he's gonna say, well done, my good and faithful servant, come on in. You know, without being cheesy, I think one of the greatest unsung heroes that I personally know would be my father. We just... Um, he just had a retirement party a couple days ago. We celebrated him and 40 years of work at J. Bear Air Force Base. 40 years is a long time, at least for me. 28, it's almost double my life, man. I was like, man, 40 years, dad. If I'm still doing this for 40 years, being a youth pastor, I don't know if I'm gonna look half as good as him. <laughs> Teenagers can be scary. Ken knows. <laughs> Yeah, but 40 years, man, of perseverance and commitment. Last night, my, my mom was over. She had just dropped off um, Azzy, our little girl, and she was staying up late with me and Emily, and she was just sharing stories of my dad and some of the things that he went through in those 40 years, things I didn't even know about. <clears throat> but she was sharing these, these testimonies of God using him in all kinds of situations in an environment that it was not always welcoming to believers, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you are currently in an environment that is not overly friendly or welcoming to Christians. And yet that's where my dad found himself for 40 years. <laughs> and I was just blown away by some of the things that he saw, some of the things that God did in his life. But beyond the 40 years was which was impressive, but what impressed me was the influence and the impact he had on people. His perseverance, his commitment. <clears throat> One of the guys at the retirement party shared um, about my dad, they gave an opportunity to share, and he just said, I hope that I get to work as long 
as, as Gary, my dad, and stay committed to one thing as he did. I just thought, wow. How amazing, right? <clears throat> I think there's a lot of unsung heroes in this room. I think there's a lot of people in this room who will probably not always get the recognition and the <clears throat> accolades that you probably deserve. And, but I know there's people in this room who have conquered some Hebrons, who have persevered in their faith, who have surrendered their lives wholeheartedly to the Lord. And, and man, you've conquered some Hebrons. You kicked out some giants. And I also think there's people in this room who have some Hebrons that yet to be conquered. Like you're looking to the future and you say, man, I know God's promised this to me and it looks challenging, but I think we can do it. I think I could do it. I think our family can go and take this land, this thing that God has promised. And I guess my question for you is, are you living in Hebron? You know, Hebron actually means fellowship. Isn't that ultimately what we're after as our spiritual reward and inheritance is fellowship with God? I think Caleb, yeah, he wanted Hebron for a lot of reasons. The views, the sights, the food, the soil, the land, it was great, it was rich. A holy site where his forefathers had gone before him and paved the way and he wanted to be a part of that legacy. But I think even more than that, it was fellowship with God. And the fact that he had walked with him faithfully all these years. I think that's really what our hearts desire. And I really think ultimately that's our inheritance here on earth is fellowship, friendship with the living God. That's possible for you and for me. And so my question is, are you, are you living in that land? Are you living, living in that inheritance as a faith-filled child of God, seeing and experiencing things that are supernatural, that only can be done through him in a relationship with him? And if that's not you, and if, you, if you've never experienced that, and you've never felt that, <clears throat> man, I wanna encourage you to find somebody, maybe it's on the prayer line after service to talk to and just engage in a conversation about that. What does it look like? <clears throat> or maybe there's some in here who just need to exercise that spiritual faith and start taking out the giants along the way. Start looking to the Hebrons and saying, I'm going for it, Lord. I'm surrendering all, all over again. Would you give me the strength to do it? What are the things, Lord, that you promised? What are the things that I feel like I've heard from you? What's my next move? What's my next step? Fill me with faith. Give me the faith that will feel the confidence I need to move forward in the land that you've promised. Father, we thank you so much for your spirit. We thank you for the life of Caleb. We thank you for the life of those who have gone before us. Hebrews says they're now in heaven. The saints are cheering us on as we walk out this life. Lord, I pray you give us the perseverance to endure the trials and the challenges. But God, that we would have the faith and the confidence in you to claim the land that you have given us and promised us. Bless this time of worship. Be with us, we pray. In your name, Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app.
from either iTunes or Google Play. Thank you.